welcome to the Behind the Screen Podcast. Andy Benoit, my friend Greg Cosell from NFL Films. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Greg, everybody's either seven and six or six and seven, it seems like right now. And this is people want to say, oh, crazy season, ever seen anything like it. They say that every single year at this yeah, time true. of year. I don't want to, I don't want to be those guys. You know, they're not they're not all finishing nine and eight. It's gonna sort itself out. But I thought we could go through some of these teams, maybe start in the AFC with the seven and sixes. And just kind of discuss, talk it through. If, if there are any of the anybody scare us in these groups, anybody surprise us? If, if you want to start AFC, then we can. You have to tell me who the seven and six teams are. All right, let's do. That's a great idea. So let's go NFL standings here. All right, so AFC, the seven and six teams are the in no particular order. The while we go East, Buffalo Bills, Denver Broncos, Steelers, Bengals, Colts, and Texans. Six of them. Ah, and I think well, the that one that, group. Yeah, uh, I think that the team that would probably be viewed as most dangerous would be the Bills, because um, the Bills have certainly shown over the last couple of years that they can win games and beat anybody. And you know, with Josh Allen, um, you know, certainly he's a, he's a playmaking type quarterback, so he can make special plays. Um, you know what? One thing that might surprise people, I think, Andy, is I think they're second or third in the league in quarterback sacks. And I watch them every week, so I'm not I'm not necessarily surprised by that. But I don't think a lot of people would think of the Bills that way, especially with Von their, Miller. Their defense? Their defense. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Especially with Von Miller, you're really not being the player that he once was, and who knows if he'll ever return to that given his age. But you know, you don't look at the Bills and, and and immediately think of that one great pass rusher that's a dominant force that has to be chipped or double teamed when it gets to be third down. Uh, yet they're among the league leaders in quarterback sacks. Yeah, that's a credit to them. Eric Washington, their defensive line coach. One thing that they've always done well, I think Sean McDermott's always done well. They're not a pressure team per se, but nope. they do dictate matchups with their fronts really well. And they seem to understand opponents protection concepts and when they do dial up the pressure they've always been and i'll see what the numbers agree this year but they've always been very efficient on film they look really well coached pass rush wise yeah and one thing which they you know you know this and 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 so people understand this every team has a certain type for each position whether you want to call it critical factors whatever term you want to use but clearly with very few exceptions, they like taller defensive ends. And they have a lot of length at the defensive end position. Even when they signed um, Leonard Floyd, I guess, or traded for him, I forget. Was it a sign or a trade? It doesn't matter. He's he's with the Bills. But, uh, you know, Epinesa, 6'5", 6'6". Gregory Rousseau is 6'6". Is um, they like taller defensive linemen. Now, Ed Oliver doesn't quite fit that mold. But in terms of his movement ability at his size, he has special traits in that regard. And he certainly has had his best year as essentially a three technique. He does play some one technique because they're an over front, meaning they shift their front to the strong side of the offensive formation. So there are snaps in which Ed Oliver will be a one technique. Um, But he this year has shown the ability to rush the quarterback more so than in any previous season. Yeah, that's a great point about the. Why do you think that is about the length that they're they're edge guys? Yeah, that's a good. I, I, you know, 
it, it's probably a question that I could ask and get answered, and, and I have thought about it, and I don't have a brilliant answer without having someone tell me. I mean, certainly taller guys have usually longer arms. Arm length is always viewed. Uh, you know, I do a lot of college evaluation work, uh, as you know, and, you know, normally arm length is considered to be a really strong trait, both for offensive linemen and for pass rushers. Um, so maybe they value that particular trait. Um, maybe in, in a in a league, too, that has gone more toward quick game throws where you're not going to get to the quarterback. You have taller players with longer arms who can knock down passes. Um, you know, that could be a factor. Uh, I'm just responding to your question, kind of yeah. spitballing here, just trying to think it through as you've asked me. But certainly that I would think that would be a factor because, as you and I have discussed before, with RPOs and more quick game passing, oftentimes you're not going to get to the quarterback. Yeah. No, I mean, another thing that maybe comes to mind, a lot of teams that when they stunt, and Buffalo's not, I mean, Buffalo stunts, of course, they're not more schemed with stunts than any other team necessarily. But, you know, I know I've heard of coaches that most stunts are going to loop inside. It's going to be a TE yep. more often than an ET stunt. TE means the tackle picks and the defensive end, the E, loops Loops, around the tackle inside you you know you get length when you do that coming around that's a different you can crowd the passing lane in addition to providing the pressure whether you get the knockdown at the line of scrimmage or not to me those seem rare enough that i'd be surprised if a team built with a, a defense with the intention of creating knockdowns at the line of scrimmage but i think we're saying the same thing which yeah. is it's not, disrupting the passing lane to a coach is going to be very similar to generating a pressure. Yeah, and and as the the offensive and the pass game evolves, you know, I think we've seen that as we as we've discussed that, you know, much more is quick. I mean, I've talked to a number of coaches and watching film validates this is there's so much more, you know, three-step timing throws, quick five-step timing throws. Very hard for pass rush to get there. So what's the next best thing? It's one reason why teams also, if I could sort of segue here, why teams are starting to see the cornerback position as perhaps more important than the than the pass rusher. Because in a league where everything comes out quick, now we're not talking about third and nine, obviously on long, longer yarded situations where the quarterback must take a deeper drop for the most part, you want to be able to rush the quarterback. Um, but don't forget, you can always scheme pressure. It's really hard to cover up bad corner play. Uh, so, you know, I think a lot of teams are starting to look at corner as just as important, if not more important, than maybe a pass rusher, depending on your scheme, depending on maybe who's in your division. You know, oh, there's a lot that goes into it, obviously. But, um, you know, you can always create pressure if you want. Obviously, in doing so, you take bodies away from coverage. You can compromise bodies and coverage to add to pressure. But it's really hard to play in this league if, if you have bad corner play. You know, what's interesting, someone told me that part of what, a big part of what helped Vic Fangio develop the scheme he's developed, that now a, a quarter of the league runs a variation of the Vic Fangio scheme with those quarters look, split safety coverages, blurry zones are we ma- it's blurry match zones are we playing single high too high but he for a lot of years had really average cornerback he never had a great cornerback and so he right. was always having to devise ways 
to, as you to use your term, cover up bad corner play. And from that, he's gotten a really unusual scheme, which it's interesting because now that system more than others, I think, has those number one corners that play the boundary. Your Jalen Ramsey or Darius Slay, if he's at playing at his best level, has been used that way a little bit lately. Um, but I just that came to mind when you mentioned cover up bad corner play. It's e- you're right. It's easier to scheme if you've got a guy who can cover one on one. Right. And, you know, it's interesting. Another segue, as you, as you mentioned, Vic Fangio, who's now in Miami. And now he has two corners who many would say can be number one corners and can line up and play man coverage. You know, Jalen Ramsey well from, you know, the, the Rams. Uh, Xavier Howard's a quality corner in this league. Yet they don't play a lot of man coverage. They play more than people might think, but they don't really, it's not their true foundation. Um, I mean, even in the game this past week when they lost to the to the Titans on two drives within the final four minutes of the game, uh, they literally rushed four and played zone on every snap except for one red zone play uh, on those final two drives by the Titans. And I, quite frankly, was surprised by that. But, hey, Vic Fangio knows more than I do, and he knows his players better than I do, and he knows all his players better than I do. That's the thing. It's not just one or two players. It's the entire scheme. But I, I must admit, when I watched that tape, I was a little surprised. Yeah, no Dolphins, 16% cover one overall this season, about 20% man overall. It's about bottom third of the league, higher part yeah, of bottom they don't third play of the league. Yeah, so they don't play yeah. a lot of man, given their – which I don't know how you feel about it. I find that surprising, you know, given that they have um, Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, I could definitely see that discussion um, – you know, I, my guess is they probably feel in Miami and in a lot of these systems that, well, we wind up playing. One of those guys is going to play de facto man coverage with the way it's all going to shake out anyway. They're right, going to play right. number one vertically. Um, but I understand what you're saying. Now, would also say this. I think Howard and Ramsey, Ramsey especially, are almost equally as good of zone coverage. Maybe even to some agree. degree better. Ramsey might be a better zone defender than He's man. I mean, you don't play corner. man with him. Yeah. You're right. He's a he's a great zone corner, a great yeah. zone corner. Um, but just to get back to your point about the the quarters structure, and you probably know even quarters in greater detail than I, based on your recent history. But you could almost argue that quarters cover four, whatever you want to call it, is kind of man coverage with rules because eventually you're going to have to match up, depending on how the routes shake out, the distribution of routes. So eventually you're going to have to match up so it becomes man with rules. It's not man right away where it's, say, you got that guy, you got that guy. But eventually, based on the distribution of routes, corners and safeties do have to match up somewhere along the line. Yeah, and there are some teams that – so a corner and a safety in quarters typically matches up if the receiver in their area for – you know, that's a broad generalization, but – receiver in your zone in your area goes vertical you match up and go vertical with them that's kind of how it works I've heard of teams Greg that will say all right we're counting a receiver the question then becomes when is a receiver vertical how do we define that and for I think kind of the demarcation is does he cross behind the linebacker level if he does now he's vertical if he doesn't he's underneath and the linebackers will play zone against him but, Greg, I've heard of teams that say if the receiver releases vertical, if he gets one yard, maybe two yards into his route, north and south, we're calling that vertical. So it's to your point, 
there are a lot of match principles and quarters. And actually, I did a study on interceptions. I just remember this about four years ago. I went through every interceptable pass. This was during the pandemic. And it was great because I was on Zoom with coaches all the time. Guys gave me full access to every team, gave me someone with, with full knowledge of their interceptions and told me exactly right, what right, happened right. on every play. And it was it was a good time for a pandemic especially. But um, I asked all these coaches, all right, do you see quarters as a zone coverage or a man coverage, I kind of expected the answer to be zone. Pretty much exactly half of them said man-to-man -man in their mind. It was very split down the league as, as far as whether teams see it as a man coverage or a and zone And that's coverage. why I said it's man with rules. Because especially versus two-by-two two sets, Andy. Because two-by-two two sets, that slot receiver on each side – you know, and I've, I've had conversations with coaches. You mentioned that if the if number two, let's say, uh, takes one or two steps forward, that some teams will just match up immediately. More teams than not have different rules where they have to go a certain either yardage or steps, however they want to, you know, categorize it. But at some point in a two-by-two two set, when the slot receiver goes vertical, that safety has to match him, you know, because otherwise there's no one to play him. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's exactly right. And really not to get on quarters, we'll move on here in a second, but even those three by one sets, the backside safety is going to look for whichever routes crossing the formation. And usually one of them will in a three by one. Correct. That's not a whole lot different than the man rover stuff that we see with some of these teams where yep. you play into your help and there's a rover on the weak side, he's picking up crossing routes. So, yeah, every every zone coverage, I think it was you that told me this when I first was learning zone coverage years ago. Every zone coverage at some point becomes man-to-man -to, -man to a certain degree. The, the, a piece of grass on the field, an area on the field, has never in the history of football at any level caught a pass and moved the chains. Men catch passes, and the coverage is right. the people. So right, the right. zone coverages become man coverages at some point in the down in almost every scenario. Um, so what's another seven and six team? Are the Bengals seven and six? They are seven and six. We can talk them. The one that that kind of stood out to me, maybe it's because I just watched them this afternoon. I know you watched their Texans film a couple weeks ago and were impressed. I saw their Chargers film. I saw a lot of the same things you noted in the Texans film, talking the, the Denver Broncos. I think we yeah. know about Russell Wilson. They're running the ball way more with him. I think they're third in the league in rushing since they've started winning. That's how you play with Russell Wilson. You build your offense around that. Uh, defensively, though, some of the stuff they're doing with their pressures, I think, have been exceedingly impressive in recent years. I agree. Weeks. I couldn't agree more. And, and I, you know, again, every team has a philosophy, the kinds of players that they want. Now, obviously, they made a change in their coaching staff. So this particular staff didn't bring in all these players. But I love what they do with their young rushers. Uh, they have Cooper. They've got Browning and they've got Benito, and they're all athletic, um, not necessarily big. They're not 270, 75 pounds, but when they go to their sub fronts and they have all three in the game, I think they do some really good things with their pressure concepts, and And I think their defense is playing, is playing at a high level. And I think a player that's never talked about, and I think he's really, really good, and he was a big free agent signing for them, is Zach Allen. I think he's a really, really good player. 
Yeah, and kind of we talked longer guys. I don't know his height, but he strikes me as one of those longer he's six, six five. four two eighty five. Yeah, and he plays yeah. that way. He's he kind of plays upright. Jordan Phillips, right? I was going to mention him when we did Buffalo. Kind of another athletic upright. Allen, yeah. a more dynamic player than Phillips at this point, probably. But I'm with you on Zach Allen. They paid him a lot of money too. Lance or Vance Joseph knew what he had in, in Allen. He had him in Arizona. And they made him a priority yep. free agent. He's a good player for them. The guys that I thought you were going to say, Greg, were their linebackers look fast every week. Like certain guys are always. I agree. They're guys that are just a tick better than you'd expect. And I know Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton, they've shown up in some of those sub package pressure designs. And I think they've been really effective rushing the passer, both. And they were really good doing it off the ball last year in the Gio Revero system, that Fangio kind of scheme. Uh, right. I think they've been very effective doing it from on the ball and off the ball this season. Yeah, and Singleton does not come off the field. He plays in every package. Um, so when they go dime, he's the linebacker. And when they're a nickel, obviously it's Josie Jewell. And Josie Jewell is one of those guys. I remember watching him at Iowa. and He was your classic kind of Iowa linebacker, put up huge numbers in college. And, and of course, everybody said he's not quite quick enough and fast enough and rangy enough to be a starting NFL linebacker. But he is. He's one of those guys that sees it as quickly as you can see it. You know, the term everybody likes to use is key and diagnose. But he plays fast. He sees it and he goes. And he's turned out to be a really, really solid NFL linebacker. Two other guys that have really stood out recently did against the Chargers for sure is McMillian, the the slot. Oh, yeah. 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 uh, He's from Coastal Carolina, I believe. Um, I think one of the one of the smaller Carolina schools is East Carolina. Yep, undrafted East Carolina, right? Carolina last year, East Carolina, and he's gotten um, better and better as the season's gone on. And then give me give me your thoughts on this guy. You know, we talked about who's our guy, Josh Bynes, as one of those guys. You he seems to sign with the team mid-season to become their best linebacker every year. To me, Fabian Moreau is kind of one of those guys at the corner position. Starting, yeah. And your team signs Fabian Moreau, you ought to feel insecure because he's taken someone's job within a month that he gets there. And he's and I, he's been very effective as really they, they have a number two corner because Sertan's going to be used as their top guy most weeks. Of course. They're going to travel him or play him on the boundary. But Moreau, the, the, they've seemed like they've really become a more complete defense than they put him at corner at number two. I agree, but I'm so glad you mentioned McMillian because um, you're right, it was East Carolina. I actually, at the Combine a couple of years ago, um, he was coming out that year. Um, so I think he's in his second year. Gentleman yep, yeah, walks up he was to undrafted me. last year. Right. A gentleman walks up to me, obviously a coach, and he was a college coach, and he introduced himself. He says, hey, I want to introduce myself. I, I watch your work. I really enjoy your work. You know you know what you're talking about. And he said, I want to tell you about a corner. I, I'm, I'm the cornerback coach at East Carolina, and I want to tell you about my corner. I said, he's going to play in the league. And I'd never heard of him. And um, I felt so terrible because I just didn't get a chance to watch his college tape. Um, and, you know, so I've sort of been following McMillan since because of what the coach told me. And since he came in as, as because they didn't not, they did not start the year with him as their slot corner. I forget what week he came in. I, my guess, Andy was probably week four or five, give or take somewhere in that range. Cause I think early in the season, yeah. they had bat, they had, who Bassey was playing slot corner, corner and well, who, I don't even who, know if he's in the league anymore. Um, jog, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Jog my memory. Who was their slot corner early in the season? I think it was Bassey. I can't remember his first name. Oh, Bassey yeah, he's was with, the, and he's with the, he's now the Chargers slot corner as of a couple weeks ago. 
Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah. The um, Chargers are looking but, for answers to that position. Yeah. They're not in our playoff team discussion right now. No, no, no. Uh, but uh, but McMillan, I think, has played exceptionally well since he's been in there, and he's made a number of big plays. I think he's allowed them to do some different things, and um, it's a good defense. It's a really good defense. And just getting back to Russell Wilson, you made the point about the run game, and that's kind of what he is as a quarterback. I think what does go along with that is he's been very effective throwing the ball on first down. And I think that goes along with the run game element. No question. And that's, yes, it's the story of his career. You mentioned, all right, so you mentioned Cincinnati. I know you were impressed with the job that that Zach Taylor did for for Browning against Jacksonville a few weeks ago. They're now up to seven and six as well. Are, are you buying that? Like if, if if they make the playoffs, are they a threat in your mind, or do we not know enough yet about Jake? Browning? I don't think we know enough, but I, I like yeah. what Zach Taylor's doing. There's a lot of screen elements. There's a lot more play action. I mean, there's things that help a quarterback. You know, I remember putting the tape on against, uh, not this week, the week prior was his first start. That was Jacksonville, correct? Uh, I think that was his second start, but yes. Okay. No, uh, whatever his first start was, I think. And okay. I just remember uh, noticing that, you know, just what Zach Taylor was doing, a lot of one read, no read throws, just get him comfortable. Let's complete some balls. The worst thing you want for a young quarterback is all of a sudden he's thrown seven balls and he's one for seven because then he feels like I'm never going to complete a pass. So even if it's a four yard gain, Andy, you want your young quarterback to have the feeling of I can complete passes. And I thought Zach Taylor did such a good job. Basic route concepts, snag flat screens, uh, flat throws, you know, things that you knew were going to be complete. And again, if, if you gain 12 yards, great. But if you gain four yards, you know what? That's okay, too. We'll take second and six, and we'll move on, and we'll go from there. And I think he's continuing to do that. I thought they did a really nice job, and you could see that Browning is gaining a little more confidence. He's not a big-armed kid. He's not going to drive the ball down the field. So you have to you have to, you know, create the throws that he can make and that he can complete, and I think they've done that well. I wonder how much it helps, too, because they play out of 11 personnel so much. I wonder so how much. much it helps. I know one thing that Zach Taylor likes about that is it shrinks the menu for your guys, for your offense. It shrinks what you have to study for the opposing defense, too, because you're not having to look at all their different base packages. You kind of narrow them down to their nickel. That's an expansive package still. But I wonder how much that that helps with a young quarterback, too. I would think it does. Uh, I would think it, you know, it helps a good amount because now, I mean, look, you obviously do different things out of different personnel packages. Um, I know this team is not seven and six, but I think, I think they're six and seven, but I think you really notice that with the Seattle Seahawks because they're trying to find that balance between um, playing in 11 personnel and playing in multiple tight end sets. Because a year ago, they played a very high percentage. It may have been the highest in the league out of two and three tight end sets. And Geno Smith was so, so good out of that. And they did specific things out of it. The kinds of things you don't necessarily do when you're an 11 personnel. And this year, because they drafted Jackson Smith Najigba, the wide receiver from Ohio State, in the first round. And obviously, he's a very talented kid. And he's he's been their most targeted third down receiver, believe it or not, with Metcalf and Lockett. But... They're trying to sort of find that balance between playing out of 11 personnel and still playing with their multiple tight ends because they've got three who all fill kind of specific roles and, and fill those roles really effectively. Yeah. 
and I'm, I'm clicking around here on the data too while we're talking just to, to clear it up. So I saw, you saw the Jacksonville game. I saw the Pittsburgh game. You, have you seen the Indianapolis Cincinnati game yet? That was this week's game? Yes. No, I did not. I saw some, okay. but not, not enough to, yeah. to really speak about it. Yeah, no, that, that that's fine. I'm just trying to get a feel. So what they, they've actually, with, with Browning in the lineup, they've scaled back the 11 personnel a little bit. That's what I was wondering right. about. They were 80% 11 personnel weeks one through 11. Lately, they're back to about 68%, which really that's probably closer. That's a bigger number than it seems because your third downs it's, are always going to be 11 almost. It's so a we're big number. You're right. Your first and second down, number. yeah, that'd be 68% yep. on overall snaps. You know, that's and that's another way that, that you know one thing you can do in that system because the it's condensed formations out of 11 a lot of your 11 personnel stuff is the same as what it would be in 12. so your wide receivers just become your blockers which is why guys like kyle shanahan sean mcveigh they want those uh you know the, the guys like jennings or cooper cup who are going to buy in as blockers well if you, if you want to switch it out and go to 12 personnel you might get the defense in their base, and while that's maybe something you're not used to seeing, it's a more it's going to be a more simplified package yeah. every single time. The quarterback, dating back to his years in, in high school football and beyond, he's used to seeing base personnel fronts. Just to play off what you just said, this past week against Indianapolis, um, yeah. they were 11 personnel on only 58% of their overall snaps. They played yeah. at a 12 personnel on 23% of their snaps. So they've cut back significantly with Browning as the quarterback. So now we have something to look for specifically when we get to that film later in the week. Yeah, Are there any I, I, other... I will watch it, obviously, because Cincinnati's right there. And, uh, and they're still a good football team, obviously. Yeah, well, and I didn't see their Jacksonville film, so I have to watch. I can't stand to miss two in a row on the same team. Any other seven and six teams? Pittsburgh? With the... Yeah. That... How do we feel about Pittsburgh, Greg? Uh, I, I, you know, I, I think we can probably move on there, Andy. You don't want to talk their defense at all, even. Um, nah, we can. You know, I'll tell you the one thing that note I noticed with their defense is, in some ways, they've become like Belichick with what they do on defense. They play so many different people in so many different packages now that. You know, I'm watching each play, and I, you know, I, I have to keep looking. You know, fortunately, the way I can watch tape, it lists all the players on every play on my screen, on the bottom of the yeah. screen. But I, I have to look at that on every play because they play a conventional nickel with Sullivan, the slot corner. Um, when they go to um, Dime, Sullivan's not in the game. You know, Peterson moves inside, <laughs> and um, I forget who the other uh, slot is because um, I haven't, I didn't watch them. Well, actually, I did, believe it or not. I did watch Bailey Zappi, so I could tell you in a second. But, yeah, they, they, they have so many packages right now. Um, yeah. So the Steelers, you know, they still, let's see. Um, he's well, their slot got, corner. Um, Trenton Thompson's played more. For oh, yeah, the yeah. Now they played Big Nickel with Trenton Thompson. That, that yeah. started about two, three weeks ago. Yeah, and, and they've had some changes at linebacker. Blake Martinez was in ahead of Michael Walker in certain packages yeah. at linebacker this week. That was new. Uh, no, you're right. They play a lot of different guys. One thing that's been steady for them all season long, and we can, we'll can we get on to the, the Texans here in a second, round it out with the, all the seven and six teams. But uh, their defensive line has been excellent all season long. Even yeah. when Cam Hayward was out of the line, he's been back for a while now. And he actually hasn't been quite as dominant as we've seen before, but – I think they've had one of the better, more consistent, high-level defensive lines across the board. It's not just 
Highsmith and Watt on the edges, those guys inside the kid who's really stood out. And I did his tape coming out of Wisconsin. He's a rookie is Benton number 95. I agree completely. Stands out every single tape I watch. And I've seen most this year. Um, And he's kind of more of an interior, you know, D tackle, but he's got enough, enough uh, juice in his legs that he has some pass rush ability and he's got some movement skill. He's not just a big body inside. Absolutely. No, you're right. He's a little bit of a different type of mover, maybe, but they had Javon Hargrave there for a long time, who was yep. a light-footed, big-body guy. And I feel like Benton kind of gives him the same three-down element that they had out of that oh, body. Yeah, he's going to be a really – it would not surprise me if, as his career progresses, you see him with a guy from the inside that has eight, nine sacks. He's not just going to be a big body inside stuffing the run. Yeah, uh, last team, then Houston Texans, a help of C.J. Stroud, obviously, is an enormous factor. I thought the Tank Dell injury, not to go back a few weeks, but I, I was really disappointed. There are certain, you know, most injuries, it is next man up. You hate to say that. You don't like that on yeah. the personal side for these guys. But just watching tape and treating it X's and O's, it's the next X up or the next O up. Every once in a while, there's a guy, it's like, I don't know if they've got another X or O quite like them. I kind of worry that Tank Dell might be one of those guys and what he was doing for them and how much of their offense had been going through him. You know, who replaces Tank Dell? Can Mechie fill what he was doing to some no, degree? No, Dell's, Dell's uh, an incredible uh, – you know, it's funny you mentioned Tank Dell. He was one of the first guys I watched last year for the draft, not because, you know, he was going to be a first-round pick, but um, – I think somebody told me about him and I just right when maybe it was late in the NFL season when I started to have a little more time because there were fewer NFL games to watch and I just started watching tape and I said, okay, I'll watch Tank Dell because I just heard his name from someone and that guy obviously small. We know that he's he's not all of a sudden going to become six, four, but he was so lightning quick and I watched him and I said to myself with the way the NFL game is kind of changing a bit with motions and the way receivers are being used and smaller, lighter receivers are now much more of a factor than people would have thought, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. I I thought Tank Dell was a really, really good prospect. I can't sit here and say that I expected what he did prior to the injury where he was, you know, I don't want to say dominant, but he was a a, a major force for them, um, for the Texans. Uh, But he's a fun guy to watch. He is so dynamically quick. One thing that really impresses me with him, almost how running backs are taught to press their blocks, get right up on your blockers before making your move. I feel like on deeper intermediate routes, that's something Tank Dell does exceptionally well is press the defender, almost like he tries to minimize the separation in order to snap off a, a greater right. separation once the ball's through the air. That's And that's not something that anyone can do. That takes certain physical traits. And it seemed like Stroud was getting really comfortable with the timing that came from that ability. That and, and that's the kind of thing that makes me think, to some degree, Dell's going to be irreplaceable for them. Uh, that would not surprise me. I mean, that guy's really, really a, a good player. You know, it's funny. You know, now that we're talking about him, I'm, I'm trying to see. I'm, I'm pulling up my notes, and it's funny what you said because I said, um, um, I said. Here's what I said in my transition when I did him. Um, he possesses sudden explosive movement traits as both a route runner and run after catch, giving an offense an electric, dynamic, game-changing, playmaking dimension. Um, so yeah, I, I that's really how it's played out so far. Yeah, I really liked his tape a lot, and uh, and you know again the size probably turned some teams off. He was five eight and three quarters and one sixty five. 
but the game's changed. I mean, you know, look, you even look at someone like Jordan Addison, obviously the, the past game for the, the Vikings has not, I think they're a seven and six team too, if I'm not mistaken, or are they six and seven? They're uh, seven and six. They're seven and six. But so, you know, obviously the, the receiving situation has changed because of their quarterback situation. But Jordan Addison was 173 at the combine. You're getting a lot of these smaller receivers now that can play and play really effectively in the league. Yeah, a, a, a five foot nine receiver is not super different than a six three receiver when they're wide open. Right. <laughs> yeah. Very similar when they're when they're in complete space. How about their defense? I talked to a coach a few weeks ago that had studied them closely, Greg, and I was quite frankly really surprised. And this this coach would know more than I would, but he didn't think much of the defense. It was not a very talented defense. You're talking about Houston? Yeah, Houston's defense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of, and I, I understand, like, yeah, they're not the, you know, I get that. They're not the, the the 2000 Ravens, but I kind of see it different. I think it is a better defense than what it appears on the surface. Um, You know, I've seen them a good amount. Uh, You know, obviously they've got the rookie Will Anderson, who I think's played well. Um, You know, I think that he's a speed to power pass rusher at this point, but he plays really hard all the time. I've always liked Jonathan Grenard. You know, I think that he's a good player opposite Anderson on the edge. Um, I don't know your feeling about him. Uh, I think he's a real solid player who can, you know, he's not a uh, a dominant pass rusher that I think you have to game plan for, but he can rush the quarterback. He's a little bendier than Anderson. You know, I've you seen know, I would agree with that. And, I, and I, yeah. I'm a big Will Anderson fan. He's unrefined right now, and he's, he's yeah. still – He's one of those wrecking ball guys, six or seven snaps a game still. Um, Grenard, I watched these guys this morning. He lit up the Jets. He was really quick off the snap. He doesn't do that every single week, but when he's on, he looks the part. But I'm, I'm You're talking about Grenard? Well. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He, Grenard uh, can do something that Anderson can't do right now, and we'll see if Anderson develops that. The one thing Grenard can do, because he's a little more flexible and bendier, is he can – when he clears the arc, he can flatten his rush path to the quarterback. Anderson's not really that guy right now. Anderson is much more of a speed to power guy. I feel like Anderson gets out of his stance more athletically than other speed to power guys. Would you agree or disagree? Or No, no. I know exactly what you mean. Uh, I, I guess I haven't noticed that, so I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to agree with you just to agree with you. Uh, that doesn't mean that you're wrong. I just yeah. necessarily haven't noticed it. The other guy I know we, we both like what he's done lately is Blake Cashman all of a sudden. He's becoming oh. a Fabian Moreau kind of guy here. I he know. Gets in the lineup to fill a void and winds up becoming the every down linebacker for him. He's got he, hurt last week, unfortunately, so we'll see what what happens moving forward, but he's been their best linebacker lately. He's played really well this year, really well this year. He stands, another guy that stands out every tape you watch. Yes, and then I'll give you one more name because I think you'll like him. And actually, somebody asked me last year if there was one safety I could take right now to build for the next eight years around, who would it be? And I said Jalen Petrie for for Houston. I still feel good about that, I think. I, I, I think he's had... He's a flash in the box kind of guy. I don't know how you feel about him. Yeah, I think he's a flash player. Um, I think he's got he's not, some. He's not some... tackled very well last year. I'll be to be yeah. fair. Yeah. Yeah. He, well, he's not a big guy. You know, he was used a specific way in college, and he can't really play that way in the NFL because of his size. But I think he's a good player. Um, 
I'm not sure if I'd put him in the category that you just said, but I think he's a yeah. really good, solid player. Off the t- and you you hate these off the top of your head questions. You're gonna hate it. Who's who would you put as the best safety in the NFL right now? Oh God, I have to. I, yeah, I know I, you hate it. I'll give you some name. Hold on. Well, you I'll have to give me. Some... You know, yeah, you got to give me more than I can't think of all the safeties right now. Yeah, I know. Let's pull. Let's pull them. I mean, we start with Minka Fitzpatrick while we're pulling up all the names here. But uh, obviously, a really good player who can do you, everything. Well, all right, let's with Fitzpatrick. Where do you think he's best deployed? I actually think he's best deployed on the back end where he can see everything and read the quarterback and react to routes and throws. To me, that's what he does best. Not that he can't play closer to the line of scrimmage because I think he can, but I think he's best as, I don't want to say as an Ed Reed safety, but I think his ability to do those kinds of things is, to me, on film, his best trait. Yeah, no, I I would... uh... I would probably agree with that. How about Kevin Byard? How's he been this year in your opinion? Yeah, I'm not sure he's exactly what he was. Um, You know, he's over 30 now. I thought there was a two or three year stretch where you could make the argument he was the best multi-dimensional safety in the league for the way he was deployed with the Tennessee Titans. Um, I think he's lost maybe just a little bit of quickness. Um, I don't think he can match up to tight ends the way he did because there was a stretch there when the Titans were really good um, where they played Kansas City every year and he matched up to Kelsey and he did a very good job. I'm going to list three young safeties that that have had, in my opinion, good seasons. You tell me if any of them are in the mix for what we're talking about. Javon Holland, when he's back healthy for Miami, maybe four here. Jesse Bates, I don't know if he's young anymore, but he's he's certainly not old. Jesse Bates in Atlanta. Antoine Winfield, Tampa yep. Bay, or Kyle Hamilton, slot. Oh, well, they're different, you know. With I the know exception the first, but we got we to sort it through here before we go. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, here, let's let's do the first two you mentioned, Bates and who was the other one? Bates and Javon Holland was the first one. See, I they're back-end safeties for the most part. Yeah. Um, uh, Holland is is uh, is kind of – he can play closer to the line of scrimmage. With the previous coordinator, not who they have now, not with Vic, but with the previous coordinator, he was used a lot on the line of scrimmage as a blitzer. He was really good at that. But he's predominantly a back-end safety. Um, and I think – he sees things really, really well. I think he plays downhill really well. Bates, yeah. to me, is is another guy who's kind of your classic back-end safety. Another guy, you know, like Minka, sees everything, reacts, oftentimes does things outside of the structure of the defense just because he sees it the right way and can make interceptions. Um, I So he's really good at that. Um, who else? Did, give me the other two. Winfield and Hamilton. Now we're getting closer to the line of scrimmage for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hamilton, to me, he's a unique athlete. He's 6'4", 215, 220. They're using him right now as their slot corner, uh, which is really fascinating. But he can also play safety. He can blitz. He can cover. He's got range. You know, there's just not a lot of guys with that kind of size and length who are who can do what he can do. And he's used in multiple ways by the Ravens, who obviously have a very, very good defense. Um and then the last guy, Win- oh, uh, Winfield. Winfield. Winfield's he's, he's interesting because the plan that we heard going in, the plan was to play him on the back end. And I kind of thought in the back of my head, well, you know, we'll see how that goes. I mean, it's 
he is pretty dynamic near the box. He's wound up. I agree. One third of his snaps have been near the box this year. And I think he's really good near the box. And I think he's a great blitzer. Um, He's physical. He's competitive. You know, he's not big necessarily. I mean, he's not, he's not tall because he's well built. Um, But he's one of those. He always strikes me as a, as a tempo setter for a defense with the way in which he plays, Andy. I think he's one of those guys that is – he's an attitude player. He's a tempo setter. He's multidimensional in what he can do. I think he's a really good player. All right, I'll give you two more names and we'll get out of here. I'll give you three more names. Oh, Buda you're Baker. killing me. Buda, well, because I, I don't want someone to tweet at us and be like, oh, you didn't think of this guy. Buda Baker – He's been back. Have you much seen much of Arizona the last few weeks? I know they're bit. not in it. Yeah. So, I you know when I saw Arizona, I made it a point to start watching Arizona when you told me about playing three across with their safeties. You know, with yeah. on the back end, having their slot corner basically play on the back end. And I found it fascinating. And Baker would be the middle guy in that three across, and he'd be the guy that would attack downhill. Yep, that's exactly <laughs> That's exact. I, I've had conversations with Cardinals coaches lately about that. And I think I'm more impressed with the three across than they are themselves. But I think. That's yeah. yeah. But Baker is as good downhill as any safety in the league. That I would guy, agree with that. That I would guy attacks that. downhill and, and he tackles. All right. The other one I was going to mention to make sure the Twitter troll stuff. Derwin James is always a default. Have to mention him. I don't feel like he's been the dynamic game changer that we thought he would be necessarily. I would say that's relatively fair. I mean, every once in a while, obviously, he makes one of those plays. But, you know, I think people thought he'd be – I mean, in some ways, you could argue people probably thought he'd be like Kyle Hamilton is for the for the Ravens right now. And I think Hamilton is more of an impact player for the Ravens than Derwin James is for the Chargers. I, yeah, I, 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 I don't fair? know if that's – I think that's – I don't know if that's debatable. I think that's absolutely fair. Yeah. Now, yeah. Let's ask this. Because the Ravens are so diverse with some of their pressures and Hamilton tends to be a part of that, is it fair then? Because James, you know, Chargers, they're more blitz-oriented than you'd guess, but they're not – that's not what right. they do. It's not their foundation. And I know that maybe in some ways you're right. It could be an unfair statement because one could say, well, if Derwin James was playing in, in Hamilton spot in Baltimore, he'd do the same thing. And maybe he would. Yeah, That's very, very possible. Very possible. Yeah. The last one, and maybe I'm stretching on this. I liked him. I probably liked him a little more early in the year. Doesn't mean he hasn't been good. It just I thought of him more early watching the film. Was is is Kirby Joseph in Detroit? Is he hurt <laughs> now? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing, huh? The reason I mention is he hurt now because I just watched Detroit's defense versus Justin Fields this week, and 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 um, uh, no, he played. He played. He played on the back end. Yeah, he um, yeah. he's 31. Right, he's number 31. Um, yeah. They've had so many problems on the back end in recent weeks that I just haven't noticed him a lot because it seems it seems over the last month or so their back end has really struggled. The Aaron Glenn has started to play a little more man after playing a lot of zone through much of this year, and their corners just don't handle it very well. So I, I really haven't taken note of Joseph. So you could well be right. I just haven't taken note of him. Okay. Good. Well, let's get out of here on this. Unless you want to tell me which of the seven and six teams we just went over, which would you guarantee makes the AFC championship? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not guaranteeing anything. I don't do that. <laughs> I'm a bad right, prognosticator. Very good. very good. Shocking ending to the to the behind the screen yeah, podcast, yeah. my friend. Great, Cosell. I'm Andy Benoit. Appreciate you listening. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button, and we'll see you next week. 